Hey, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. Manny Navarro here from The Athletic, Miami Hurricanes beat writer, cover recruiting, a, couple, a lot of different things for The Athletic. Uh, of course, joined by Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast. It is Wednesday, right around 6 p.m., December 13th. Uh, Carlos, we, we normally do the show on Tuesday, but we wanted to give it an extra 24 hours to see if Miami ended up landing uh, one of the two quarterbacks they hosted here in the last 48 hours. The first one was Will Howard from Kansas State. The second one was Cam Ward. Neither of them have committed as of this recording. Uh, Ward is set to visit Florida State. I think he's choice 1A. Uh, Will Howard is choice 1B. I think he's waiting to see what happens with Cam Ward in Miami. Uh, he could end up going to USC as well, according to some people I've spoken to at USC. So I think both of them are, are USC potential targets. Uh, I know DJ Uyunglele, the former Clemson quarterback and Oregon State quarterback, is a, is another potential target at FSU. So the quarterback shuffle is still going on. Um, how disappointed are you that we are now, I don't know, 10 days into the transfer portal cycle um, and Miami doesn't have a quarterback yet? Are you worried? Are you nervous? I, I am not worried at all because these things take time. And to be quite honest, I'd rather them take their time and kick the tires on Will Howard and Cam Ward um, and have a guy that really wants to be here as opposed to making a quick decision just to land a guy and have a guy on the roster and that end up being the wrong dude, right? This has to be the right fit for everybody involved. It doesn't just have to be the right fit for the Hurricanes. It also has to be the right fit for the quarterback, right? Um, you know, everybody expected Cam Ward to commit last night because he was hanging out with Rick Ross and yeah. Rohan Marley at Prime 112. And Jacoby George and Mark Fletcher and yeah. Mark Cristobal and a bunch of people, yeah. It's a great place to eat. I wish, you know, I wish I would have gone over there to, to scout it out. You know, we could right. probably expense that to your athletic account. But, you know, we didn't come up with this idea, Manny. We got we to gotta be ahead of the game here next time. Somebody's going to go to Prime 112. But, um, yeah, that's – somebody messaged me, my man Sean Von Fortich, on Twitter and was like, is it concerning if this guy didn't commit and he's going to go visit FSU? And I'm like, no, dude, this means that the kid really wants to win. He really wants to investigate what the best situation is for him. He didn't fall in love with the glitz and the glamour and being hanging out with a famous dude and being given you know a nice steak and lobster. That didn't seal the deal for him. What he, What's going to seal the deal for him is, yeah, all that is cool, but that's not going to be the everyday. He needs to figure out what's best for him. And if he wants to be a winner and if he wants to raise his draft stock, that means he's got to win games. And he's going to go wherever he feels that's the best fit to help him do that. Now, if it ends up being Miami after he kicks the tires on FSU and other programs, then that speaks highly of the program here in Miami, right? That speaks highly yeah. of what Mario Cristobal is building and what he feels is down here in terms of a nucleus and a foundation. So, you know, it may take a little bit longer, but at the end, you may end up feeling better with what you have. Yeah, and and we're going to talk more about the quarterback situation in a little bit, but I wanted to get to some of the you know sort of tease the other subjects for the show today. Number one, Carlos, I just came back from Tallahassee uh, late last week. I went up there for the state football championships. I watched the, the three games uh, the first two days, a lot of them involving you know top twenty twenty four, top twenty twenty five guys, including. Uh, some Miami commitments. JoJo Trader had that ridiculous catch in the back of the end. So I'm sure many people have seen it by now uh, where he got two feet in. Uh, we saw uh, Zaquan Patterson in that game. Th both of those guys are, are commitments. A week from now, Carlos, we will be talking about Miami's uh, signing class. Uh, they're hoping it includes a guy like Jeremiah Smith. They're hoping it includes a guy like Cedric Bailey Jr., the quarterback who's currently committed to NC State. Uh, they're hoping it includes a guy like Armando Blunt. Uh, you know, I heard... 
that and I know this will probably be the big news tomorrow. Uh, but I, I I'm hearing that Armando Miami's in a great position to flip him back, and and Blunt could be visiting Miami, uh, starting tomorrow. So, uh, if that happens, I mean Mario Cristobal is already well on his way to having the best defensive line class, uh, in the country this year and maybe ever in terms of the modern history of of the recruiting rankings. They've got seven, uh, I think seven defensive linemen, um, eight defensive line commitments rather, and six of them are blue chippers, including a five star. Uh, so it's a loaded class uh, in terms of defensive line. If they get blunt in the class, it's only going to make it bigger and more powerful. He's a five-star as well. So uh, he's committed to Florida State right now, but I'm hearing he's going to take that last visit to Miami. So that's a good sign. And, and Miami's class, I think, is ranked sixth or seventh right now in the uh, 247 composite. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they've got some great momentum going forward. I think if they could maybe land the quarterback before signing day, that might help with the Jeremiah Smith situation may make him think twice about uh, signing with Ohio State or signing with Miami. So who knows, man? Who knows where this is going to go? And uh, to give you another little analogy with guys making decisions after, you know, being a little bit patient, or at least the Hurricane fan base being a little bit patient to see what happens, it's it's like we're waiting for Christmas and you're ready to unwrap your gift. But if you get it early, maybe you get a GoBot, right? Maybe your right. aunt decides to give you a Christmas gift because she's from out of town. So rather than give it to you on Christmas Day, she gives it to you like three days early and what you get is a GoBot. You don't want to go about. You want to wait for Christmas morning and unravel uh, Optimus Prime, right? That's what you're right. really. Well, let's be patient. A uh, couple big uh, tidbits with transfers. Number one, Colby Young, starting receiver, enters the transfer portal over the weekend. I'm hearing he's probably going to end up at Georgia. I think NIL played a factor in that. Uh, my colleague Seth Emerson at the Athletic and I are, are probably going to have a story on that soon. Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, is basically committed to Wisconsin. That's where his future lies. So we will see what happens. Eight hurricanes in the transfer portal. Uh, five have entered the draft. Matt Lee decides he's going pro. Uh, Francis Maui Noah, the the Francisco Maui Noah, rather the uh, the linebacker decides he's going to come back. Eco, that's good news for Miami. We're still waiting word from Jalen Rivers, the left tackle. Uh, but so we got some transfer news. Manny Diaz gets hired at Duke. Uh, we're going to talk about the ACC transfer portal because it's not just Miami guys that we worry about. we got to see what the other teams are doing, and I want to go over that. We're going to do a little bit of a roster check overall for Miami, and we're going to get to the mailbag. But i got to get to this story, Carlos, because you're going to enjoy this. Oh. So I decided on Thursday to wear my FSU hat up to Tallahassee for the state Ooh. championship game, for the Chaminade game. And lo and behold, I come out on television wearing this hat, Carlos. And uh, guess guess who texted me almost immediately, uh, the moment I I uh, I sh appeared on television with the uh, hat. Either Kelvin or Rudy Fernandez. <laughs> well, somebody in Miami's recruiting department that I cannot disclose basically uh, caught me, so to speak, red-handed, and I had to explain myself. You explain yourself, he, right? He, he caught you Osceola-handed. He caught me Osceola-handed, and so for the rest of the day, I got shit for basically wearing an FSU hat, Carlos, from uh, from a couple different Miami people. But the good thing is, I found out their phone number works because they were able to reach out to me even though I've been texting them, asking them questions and they, have, they don't have time for, for a dumb reporter. I did get confirmation that their phone still works. So I guess that's a good part of it. Shots fired to whoever uh, sent the text message. Next time, that's what you got to do. You got to send up the bat signal and put on the, the FSU hat. That's all I got to do, apparently, is put on the FSU hat and come out on TV uh and 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 that'll uh that'll get people to start calling next, me back next time they've been ignoring you for a while come out on the fsu onesie 
that's what I got to do. Right. The thong, maybe, I don't know, something, something really revealing and, and uh, salacious. Just yeah, uh, get some attention. Yeah. But let's get back to Cam Ward, Will Howard and the visit. You mentioned Rick Ross. Um, I didn't think Rick Ross showed up for Will Howard, but maybe he did. Maybe he was there for that. I thought he was, I thought he was at the Monday night football game with Ruben Bain. I saw photos of that. Uh, Ruben Bain and him were hanging out, uh, at the Dolphins. They brought out John Cicada for Will Howard. That's who they brought out for Will. Yeah. That, it's a good question, right? It's a burning question. Who would you bring out for Will Howard, a kid from uh, Pennsylvania, to to get a excited? A kid from Pennsylvania, from so a guy from South Florida, a guy from Miami, to try and lure Will Howard in. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe Bob Vila, <laughs> but he's dead. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe he watched this old house. Maybe he likes that kind of, you know, that HGTV kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe Pitbull, just because uh, he's more entertaining. He's he's kind of like that party vibe. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you can bring Rose out too. You can bring out Luke. Luke works with everybody. That's true. Um, I mean, that's Luke is like if you're if you've ever gone fishing. This is something I just recently learned because I just started getting into a little bit into fishing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, squid eat uh, everything. Eats squid. So okay. just like everything eats squid, everybody likes Luke, and everything works with Luke. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's probably that would have been a good selection. I don't know. I got to get to the bottom of who hung out with uh, six five, two hundred forty two pound, uh, Will Howard from Downington, Pennsylvania. But listen, uh, if if he would have hung out with Luke, he would have gotten to a lot of bottoms. Well, I want it because we're recording this, and there's always the chance that um, news could break as soon as we're done recording. I want us, I want the listeners, those of you watching us on YouTube, and those of you listening to the podcast. I want you and I to pretend. In these next two segments, right? We're going to pretend that Miami has gotten a commitment from Will Howard. So, in the event that it happens, Carlos, we are already prepared to react to it. So let's right. let's put our game face on, right? Okay. We're going to do the same thing with Cam Ward, but let's is, put our game face on. This is not the kind of role play I'm used to, but let's do it. Uh, Miami has gotten a commitment from Will Howard. Carlos, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> That's my reaction. That's right, uh, you're you're not excited. No, listen, I, I've, I've been I've been teasing this damn podcast I was going to do uh, for weeks now about, you know, the breakdown of the quarterbacks that were available in the transfer portal numbers and all that stuff and what that adds up mm -hmm. to. And I started to do it last night, and all of a sudden my spreadsheet just took a shit, and the entire 15 minutes that I had started to record just went out the window. So I wasn't able to put it out. But I've got the numbers here, and I adjusted some of the categories, and I shortened the list of guys to make it easier on myself. So I basically looked at, you know, six dudes. I looked at Cam Ward. Will Howard, DJ Ogunlele, KJ Jefferson, Jordan McLeod, and Tyler Van Dyke. Okay. I love how you said DJ Ogunlele. It's Ui Ogunlele. Yes. It's Ui Ui Uaa. What a what a big. Um, I looked at their overall pass grade on PFF. Yes. Their adjusted completion percentage, meaning balls they threw that were on target that weren't completed necessarily because of a drop or whatever the case may be, but they were on target. Yes. Uh, big time throw percentage, meaning a ball that threaded the needle that was right on target. That was like basically hitting a tight window um, turnover worthy plays, meaning any kind of play that, you know, a percentage of turnover worthy plays, meaning any kind of play either, you know, ball, that could have been intercepted fumble, a, a ball that came loose average depth of target, you know, basically where the ball was caught in the air from where they threw it drop percentage percentage of drops that they had uh, by the receivers or people they're trying to throw the ball to bats. So number of balls batted down that they had uh, pressures to sack percentage. So the amount of pressure they received and the percentage of those that turned into sacks time to throw. That's pretty simple. You know, the amount of time it takes them to get the ball out their NFL QBR, their touchdowns, their interceptions and their overall run grade. Okay. I ranked these guys basically giving them, this is a rubric. I gave them a score based on each category 
So the guy that finished in first place in each category got five points. The guy who finished in last got zero points. So based on these metrics and the scores across the board, who do you think finished in first place? Cam Ward. No. Jordan McLeod. Okay. With a total of 41 points. Who do you think finished in second place? Cam Ward. No. DJ Ui Ungalale. There we go. I got that one. Okay. All right. Third place. Cam Ward. There you go. Now we got Cam Ward. All right. Fourth place. Tyler Van Dyke. Correct. Wow. And I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it easier for you. Fifth place was Will Howard, and sixth place was KJ Jefferson. Okay. So Will Howard so, worse than Tyler Van Dyke. And, and so based on the numbers, yes, he would be a downgrade. All right. I, you you gave a lot of interesting points there. I'm gonna I'm gonna just give the old school newspaper way of judging him because I already wrote the Will story. Will Howard commits to Miami story because <laughs> it happened in this fake take that we're taking here. All right. Six five two forty two. Uh, class of 2020, three-star recruit from Downington, Pennsylvania, started 27 games over the past four seasons for the Wildcats and led them to the Big 12 championship in 2022. He was 15-12 and 12 as a starter, including 8-4 and four this year. Howard ranked 54th nationally in passing efficiency this past season, completing 61.3% of his attempts for 2,643 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. He also ran for 351 351 yards and nine scores over his four seasons in Manhattan. Howard completed 58.8% of his attempts for 5,786 yards, 48 touchdowns and 25 picks. He also ran for 921 yards and 19 scores visited Miami Monday and Tuesday. I said, how would Howard, how, how does Howard fit in at Miami? Slot right into the starting job because Shannon Dawson flew out to see him. Uh, already had a long conversation with him. You can read Gabby Urrutia's story or the guys over at On3 at Sport. They interviewed him to, uh, in, in the last uh, 24 hours after his visit. Um, look, I, I agree with you. I think Cam Ward is the better quarterback just on the eye test. Uh, but we're pretending right now that Will Howard picked Miami. So say something positive right now for the people pretending uh, that, that are listening and thinking Miami signed Will Howard. What's positive about it? Um... Well, you know, he's a big dude. <laughs> he's a big dude. He, I'm sure he'll put down a lot of Hondo's pancakes. Mm-hmm. Um, he will he'll probably enjoy those meals in the morning. Okay. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. I'm sure uh, being from Pennsylvania, he's, he's a hard worker, likes to roll his sleeves up. I'm sure he's a fan of Dan Marino, which I would find interesting and I'd, I'd enjoy. Um, but other than that, I mean, look, let's look at those numbers you were just talking about, right? Let's be honest here, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, career 58.8% completion percentage. Yeah. That's not good. Right. You want a guy that's at least 64 to 65%. Ideally, 65%, right? That or above is what you want to see. You want to see a 3 to 1 uh, touchdown on turnover ratio. He's got 48 touchdowns to 25 interceptions over his career, right? Um, he's a good runner and I think he's, he works well in that Kansas state system where they are basically running a lot of power, a lot of gap schemes, and they're using the quarterback in the run scheme to try and free up the passing game and play action. He is not going to fit here. I don't think in a play in a scheme that's play actionless from what we've seen. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't think he's an air raid style quarterback. I don't think he fits the system. I think Cam Ward fits his system a lot more. Uh, you know, Cam Ward's coming from a run and shoot type system. Um, 
he was plagued. I think his numbers were hurt a little bit in this whole scheme of, of my breakdown because their offensive line wasn't that great. Um, but I think he was helped by a really good receiver as well. So there are things to, to look at in balance. Um, you know, his adjusted completion percentage is 69.7. So that's better than the 58% that he had in terms of his career percentage. Um, his pressure to sack ratio is low, which is good or somewhat low at 12%. He gets the ball out fairly quickly at 2.76 uh, seconds. But other than that, I mean, he's okay. I don't think he's a world beater. Maybe with the weapons around him here, if they go to a more, uh, you know, play action heavy scheme, if they involve the quarterback run more in terms of the scheme overall, then I think he could be a better fit. And I think he'd be good. I think maybe his numbers would even improve over what he did at Kansas state, but based on the history, not really exciting to me. I know Lincoln Riley likes him. I know that USC could potentially end up getting him. Lincoln Riley, of course, is the quarterback whisperer. He probably feels more confident in what he could do. Uh, with Will Howard and some of the tools that he has. I know this. I know Kansas State didn't exactly have a uh, dearth of star wide receivers, and maybe he doesn't have that here at Miami either because obviously we, we got to see what happens with Miami in the transfer portal, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, I would say that what I do think is good about Howard, because I'm going to try to put a little positivity into this and not just be negative Navarro, uh, I, I like the fact that he is 6'5", 242. He's probably DJ Uyungle light. Right. Like a little bit uh, less talented than DJ, uh, but a guy that's won a, a conference championship. Right. And let and let his team to wins uh, 15 and 12 overall. Not that much better than Tyler Van Dyke, who's 15 and 13. Um, but look, in the end, uh, he can run and, and he's more dimensional than Tyler is. I know Tyler's probably the better quarterback in terms of passing it, uh, which tells you something. Um, but in the end, uh, I don't think it would be disastrous. I think Miami would have to be a good running no. team. I think Miami would have to play really good defense like they did this past season. And I think they could win nine or 10 games with him. Uh, if he, if he controls the turnovers, that's going to be another part of this. All right, let's play. Let's make believe now, Carlos, that really we were wrong. False report. Miami gets Cam Ward. He buys in after his FSU visit this week. He turns around. He says, there's no way in hell. I'm living up in Tallahassee and he calls Mario Cristobal on Friday night and and you start jumping up and down because Miami got probably the quarterback you wanted, right? What what's your reaction to that? Uh, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not I don't think it's uh, a huge upgrade, but I think it's it could be a slight upgrade over Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's got a lot of great tools. I think the numbers bear that out. I think he would, like I said he was hurt a lot by the lack of offensive line. Um the, he wasn't protected very well. You know, his numbers are pretty good, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. His adjusted completion percentage, we talked about Will Howard, you know, 69.7. His adjusted completion percentage, Cam Ward, is 78.7, which is is a big jump. That means he's almost at 80% in terms of the accuracy of his passes. He was number one in terms of the list of these guys in adjusted uh, completion percentage. The average depth of his throw is not too deep, 7.7. He was last in that category, but that's still above average. Um, he had a high drop percentage. He had the highest drop percentage, as a matter of fact, of all these guys at 7.4, meaning, again, that he didn't get a lot of help from his wide receivers. He did also have the highest percentage of batted balls or the highest number of batted balls. Um, and I think I attribute that to the bad offensive line play a little bit. Um, his pressures to sack were second highest at 25.1%. Again, that offensive line. Um, but his QBR was very high at 100.7. Again, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 69.7 run grade as a quarterback, which is really good 
Will Howard's is a 78.4, so he's a better runner, clearly. But Cam Ward can pick up first downs with his legs if you need him to and can be a little bit of that uh, you know dual threat if you need him in that zone read scheme. All right. You, you spoke a lot of nerd there, so I'm going to try to do it in the old newspaper terminology now. Ready? Ward started 44 games uh, over four seasons between his time at Washington State and Incarnate Word, which is an FCS program. I sat here and I, I did the nerd thing. That's the second most starts uh, behind Dylan Gabriel among all quarterbacks available uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, two more than DJ Uyunglele, uh, four more than Grayson McCall, who's now going to NCC, NC State, uh, seven more than Hank Bachmeyer, who's going to Wake Forest. There, there is some you know news as far as ACC is concerned. Um, so he'd be one of the most experienced, probably the most experienced quarterback in the ACC, uh, I like that about him. Uh, you mentioned some of his passing numbers uh, without the draw or not counting the adjusted uh, completion percentage. 66.7% of his passes were completed this past season Threw for 3,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, seven picks also ran for 144 yards and eight scores. I think he's a much better quarterback than Will Howard. I, I yeah, don't think absolutely. I, I think he's much better. He did rank behind Tyler Van Dyke and QBR, but I think part of that was just Tyler put up huge numbers in the first part of the season that helped them in, in terms of QBR, 11-1, to 1, finished 17-12, touchdown-interception ratio. So um, he would come in, start right away, and probably go pro after one year. Same thing with Will Howard. They, they Basically, I don't know that Will Howard would get drafted. I think Cam Ward certainly would. Um, I know he's probably more expensive. Uh, than Will Howard in the free agency, uh, the college free agency market. So Miami would have to, uh, it would be a big investment. But uh, look, I, I, I would celebrate this uh, commitment slash signing a lot more than I would Will Howard. I think it would Absolutely. mean, I would, I think it would mean that Miami could win the ACC championship and maybe make the playoff next year. Um, yeah. and, you, and, and you and I talked in the last episode about how you probably have to win the ACC to get in uh, nowadays. And he's thrown the ball a lot. So it's not a guy that's been sheltered like Will Howard by a running scheme. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Howard, that offense at Kansas State, is really built around the run game, which is one of the reasons why I think Mario likes him is because he's he's a tough, burly dude, and he comes from a system where their, their main goal is to beat up the opponent at the line of scrimmage. Um, but Cam Ward comes from a different system. He comes from an air, uh, a run-and-shoot system where he throws a ball a lot. He's had 982 pass attempts over the last two seasons, which right. is an insane amount. It takes guys three seasons to rack up that many attempts. So he's thrown the ball a lot, and he's done it well. So that's a good sign. All right, Carlos. So we're done with our quarterback conversation. We're, I'm sure it's going to come up in the mailbag. So we're, we're finishing it for now. We're going to move on to um, really just – you know, again, recruiting because we're just seven days away. Uh, Jeremiah Smith took his last official visit to FSU. I was up there. Uh, he said, and mind you, Brian Hartline was around uh, the Ohio State receivers coach, so he's not going to say anything to to disrupt the uh, disrupt the flow there. But he basically said that there's really no contenders for Ohio State. You know, yet he's still going through the recruiting process. Miami went in home with him. Um, I know that. NIL is going to play a factor ultimately in this decision. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. Um, and I think Miami and Florida have an outside chance because of NIL. I think the Gators are in a position because of what's going on with DJ Lagway, their qu quarterback recruit, Carlos. Uh, he's visiting Texas A&M and Houston, and he's got, you know, the in-state schools coming after him. Uh, Florida's in a very desperate mode. They, they, they need to keep DJ Lagway in the class. 
uh, getting a Jeremiah Smith and, and paying whatever needs to be paid to get him would, would be that way. I think Miami, you know, Mario doesn't want to lose the number one recruit in his own backyard. You know, I think there's a lot of pride there, too. So the question is, how far do, do the NIL budgets go? I don't know. Um, but again, I feel good about Armando Blunt. I think Miami's trying really hard to get Jordan Lyle. And and again, Carlos, um, this is year three for Mario we're, we're coming up upon. It's going to be two top 10 classes in a row, maybe a top five class, depending on how things shake out here down the stretch. Um, I guess as, as a person that just observes this, and I know you don't, you don't break down recruiting hard like everybody else, but as a fan, at least are you encouraged that Mario is strung together back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes? That's what you need to do to win, right? I mean, to be able yeah. to compete for the ACC championship, you need to be able to stack top 10 recruiting classes year in and year out. To compete for a national championship, you've got to start stacking top five classes year in and year out because that's the level of talent that you need to be able to have on the roster. You're not going to hit on every single guy, but because you're getting these these uh, the amount of guys you're getting now and getting to that top five, top 10, now you have enough bodies to where if you miss, you've got other guys to make up the slack, right? To to make up the uh, for the miss, and you've got enough talent on that roster to create competition in every position. Although certain positions are still thin, and you still need, you know, a superstar at certain certain areas that you've never gotten before. You haven't gotten to this point, like at receiver, which is why they're chasing down Jeremiah Smith, and at quarterback. I don't think you've ever gotten you haven't gotten a five star guy yet. You've gotten some uh, elite 11 guys, some four-star guys, but not a guy who's touted as a top five player in the country or top five quarterback in the country. So I think there's still some work to be done from a recruiting standpoint, but the fact that they're getting in these top tens and and closer and closer to top five in terms of their recruiting classes means that they're going to be building the foundation or they are building the foundation towards a deeper, more talented roster, which is what you want to see. Yeah, and and look, they're going to, go into the transfer portal and get a defensive tackle, probably two defensive tackles is what I was told. Uh, I know for sure they're getting a safety. Uh, I know for sure uh, they're probably going to bring in a veteran receiver um, just to have another one of those on the roster, Um, a center. Now that uh, you end up losing Matt Lee to the NFL Um, and then, and then a quarterback. So there'll probably be in my mind somewhere in the range of nine to 10 guys in the portal because you're going to need some veterans, right, to to come supplement you a little bit in certain spots. But I also think we're reaching a stage now with some of these second-year guys uh, that, you know, they're going to start playing, the Samson Lolas of the world, uh, some of those linebackers, the, the Popo Aguirre. Um, those guys are going to be in position to contribute in year two, whereas they were kind of being redshirted and slowly brought along uh, this past yeah. season. So um, I think you're going to start to see more of an impact there. I broke down the roster. I don't know if you saw the story I posted this morning. I know you're a busy man yourself, but I talked about the roster departures. We're up to eight now via the portal and then five via the draft. I was just going to go over the names real quick. Van Dyke at quarterback, Cheney at running back, Colby Young at receiver, Jaleel Skinner at tight end, Cohen and Matt Lee at, in the offensive line, uh, Leonard Taylor at D-tackle, Chance Williams edge, Jafari Harvey edge, Cyrus Moss edge, Corey Flagg. James Williams and Cameron Kitchens. Those are the 13 guys. Kitchens still hasn't technically announced it, but everybody knows he's going pro uh, at this point. Um, again, they're going to get a quarterback that's going to join Emery Williams, Jakari Brown, and Judd Anderson. Um, we'll see what happens if Jakari Brown takes off after um, the season, after the bowl game, uh, whether or not he gets in the portal or comes back. Uh, but one way or another, there will be a transfer quarterback. Uh, the running back position is interesting, Carlos, because there's seven guys, right? We know that Cheney left, but there's seven guys when you count the two um, 
incoming freshman, Kevin Riley, who's a four-star, and then Chris Wheatley Humphrey, who's a three-star, local three-star guy, and then the five other guys that are going to come back. Most teams never have seven running backs on a roster, right? Like, I, I think the number we're probably more looking towards is either five to six. And so you're probably going to have another departure, which is why I said that. I know yeah. Miami is trying to flip Jordan Lyle. Um, but in the end, like, you don't expect that either, right? You don't expect seven running backs. No, no, there's no way they don't have enough footballs for that. And I mean, yes, it's great to have that kind of competition in depth. And you always see some sort of injuries throughout the year at the running back position. But I think five, six, max is yeah. what you'll see. But usually five is what you carry. Yeah. Right now, 11 receivers. Uh, when you count the three commitments, Nycar, Jos- Josiah Trader, Chance Robinson, all of those guys are blue chip guys. Um, Colby Young left. So now your veterans are Xavier Restrepo, Jacoby George, Bashard Smith, Michael Redding, who's still on the roster. Isaiah Horton, um, uh, Nathaniel Joseph, Robbie Washington, and Shamar Kirk, who didn't play a snap this year. Those are your vets. Um, you know, obviously, if you can get Jeremiah Smith, I think that upgrades. But most receiver rooms are between 10 to 12 receivers tops. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a departure. And if Miami's able to add Jeremiah Smith, they probably stay at, uh, somewhere around 11. And then I, I know that they've been pushing for uh, Cyrus Allen, a Louisiana Tech kid who started 18 games. He's got West Virginia, Houston, Oregon, and Tulane that that also that also offered him. Uh, I think he's like I'm gonna look at the stats because I actually broke down every single receiver uh, that I that I thought was notable in the transfer portal. And let me go to that here. I got my uh, little flip screen here, Carlos, by position. Um, let's see, Cyrus Allen. Let me look up his stats. Uh, a thou- he had uh, 18 starts, played over a thousand snaps, 68 catches. Close to thirteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns. He's six foot one seventy seven. So another sort of uh, sleek outside receiver, you know, that maybe can play some in the slot as well. How important do you think it is to get a receiver in this? Uh, another like veteran receiver in this class. I mean, if they get Jeremiah Smith, I don't think they need another one. But I think they need another guy on the outside, or at least another guy to bring in to compete with these other guys that are on the roster. Um, you want somebody a little bit bigger to try and compete uh, on the outside against bigger corners, you know, like Colby Young. You know, it's it's. I would get another guy. I just would add more receivers. You can never have enough receivers in there to compete. You want to push these young guys, but you also want to see what Brashard Smith can do. You want to see what Isaiah Horton can do because he's flashed. You want to see what Nathaniel Joseph can do, Ray Ray. Um, but again, I, I think receivers is a position where the more competition you have, the better. And maybe some of these guys that are coming in as freshmen, maybe you know, Josiah Trader, JoJo Trader can come in and play, or Nike Hart can play right away and add to that. Um, I'm sad to see Colby Young go. I think his his departure hurts a little bit. Uh, I think he was underutilized and uh, he had a lot of talent that wasn't maximized here at Miami. Who knows what he does at his next stop, but whoever they get to replace him, I think overall they need to be able to use them better. I think they need to use the weapons on this in this offense a little bit better across the board. And I would even look at maybe adding a tight end. Uh, if it's a pass catching tight end, that could be a playmaker for you. Um, a couple of other options that I don't think have been reported. And, and I don't, again, I, this is, I looked at this earlier today. So if these guys committed elsewhere already, I apologize. Uh, Donovan McCulley from Indiana. He's a former uh, quarterback, class of 2021, four-star kid, uh, 15 starts, uh, you know, 64 catches, 813 yards, seven touchdowns, 6'5", 200, former quarterback from Indiana. Like 
who's uh out there. I'm, I, and I did this by size. Uh, Chris Brazell from Tulane. He's he's a name six five one ninety five, former three star out of Texas. He's only been in there in college for two years, uh, but he started eight games, six hundred thirty two snaps, forty five catches, seven hundred twenty two yards, and five touchdowns. And then um. You know, in terms of experience and size, those are two guys to, to keep an eye on. Jamal Banks is another one. He's 6'4", 205, Wake Forest kid uh, from Virginia, has been around since 2020, uh, 11 starts in his career, 107 catches, 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns. Those are those are some of the bigger, uh, taller receivers. If we were just going to do this based on experience, right, where you, where you want to add somebody who started a lot of games – one of them is Will Shepard. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, um, kid out of Louisiana. He's been around since 2020. Played, he started 35 games at Vanderbilt, 152 catches, over 2,000 yards, 21 uh, touchdowns. So a possession guy, a big possession type guy, another name to know. And then this one's interesting because he played with Cam Ward at Washington State. He's not necessarily big, but 6'1", 191 pounds, uh, Josh Kelly. Uh, I don't know if he might have committed somewhere. I got to look to see if that's happened. I, 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 I'm, I'm like got so many different windows open, but uh, a lot of production. Thirty starts, played at Fresno State, um, 148 catches, over 2,200 uh, yards, and 12 touchdowns. Explosive so, dude. Explosive dude. So those are some of the guys that are uncommitted in terms of receivers. Because people always ask, Manny, who, who's somebody on the receiver? Uh, you know, and, and, and that's somebody that I wanted to give me to a shopping it. list now, Manny. I need to go yeah. get some receivers. Yeah, and then in terms of running backs, one other thing I wanted to note, uh Riley Leonard, um, who is uh not Riley Leonard, Kevin Riley. I'm thinking of the quarterback, Riley Leonard, who's not Duke, uh now Notre Dame, but left Duke for Notre Dame. Kevin Riley, the four star running back commitment in this class, is taking a weekend visit to Alabama, just so Miami fans know that, uh, in case they didn't. Uh so that's something to monitor here. Um and then in terms of offensive line, Carlos, um, you know, um, they got one, two, three, four, five commitments in this class, including Markel Bell, the Juco, that's six, eight, three something. The kid I saw this past weekend that impressed me was Derek uh, Plaz, uh, good looking left tackle, uh, really athletic. He threw down Willis McGahee's kid in the state championship game, uh, Jacksonville Mandarin against Columbus, literally picked him up and threw him down. Um and, you know, we, we know who the rest of the offensive linemen are, the guys that have starters that have stuck around. Um, how worried are you about the loss of Matt Lee and Cohen? I'm more worried about the loss of Matt Lee. That to me is huge. I think people don't understand the importance of the center on the offensive line. He's the quarterback of the offensive line. This guy makes all the line calls. He gets everybody organized. He's the one that's doing a lot of the double teaming. He pulls a lot. You saw Matt Lee pulling on screens, pulling on powers, pulling yeah. on sweeps, counters. Um, athletic guy. He did a lot for this offensive line, and it's sad to see him go. It's going to be very difficult to replace him. Uh, maybe if if you were able to start Okanlola at left tackle, you slide Jalen Rivers inside uh, to one of the to the guard spot, or maybe to center, and have him play in there, and maybe you get the same production. But if not, you've got to find another guy that's you know as, as athletic, uh, as physical, and as smart as Matt Lee to replace him. And that's a tall order. And if the Hurricanes don't feel they have that on the roster right now, they're going to have to go get that in the portal and make sure they get it secured because you don't want this offensive line to take a step back after they take, took this huge step forward. And we're one of the best offensive lines we've seen here in Miami in, in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, well, one of them is Zach Carpenter, uh, who's who's uh, started at Indiana for a few years. He's got close to 1,900 snaps. Uh, I'm looking at his uh, starting experience. He looks like he started 12 games this year for Indiana. Uh, I think 12 last year as well. Played some guard. 
Uh, he is 6'5", 295, big-bodied, uh, Big Ten guy. He's supposed to be visiting down here, according to uh, Gabriel Hrutia and the 247 Sports uh, recruiting team over there. So maybe that's who ends up uh, coming in. I know Miami uh, offered Jabari Brooks, a kid who was a 32-game starter at Sanford. He committed to UCF. So the search for a center will be interesting. We'll see if Miami can uh, convince this kid from Indiana to come. His PFF scores uh, weren't necessarily special, Carlos. I mean, he was 64, no. 64.4. Uh, I don't know where that ranks nationally among all centers for this past season, but uh, certainly 61 amazing. in the run blocking 71 point. He's a good pass blocker, uh, only gave up three sacks all season and only eight pressures. So he's good in the passing game. Right. His, again, you know, because offensive line is a tandem game, a team game, maybe his run blocking score wasn't great, especially it's a little bit more difficult on centers because they're responsible for so much more. Like I said, with double teams of pulls right. on occasion. So maybe because he was hampered by the rest of the offensive line, his run blocking grade wasn't all that great. Ryan Rodriguez will probably end up starting the bowl game at center for Miami. He's a third-year guy from Miami Columbus. He's uh, got to show up. It's his, it's his audition. Let's see what he does. Yeah, he's really got to play well in that game. Defensive line, roster check. We mentioned the three guys in the portal. Mesador, Jared Harrison Hunt, Thomas Gore, Ruben Bain, Nigel Lee Kelly. Those are your most experienced guys. And then, of course, I already mentioned Miami set to bring in one of the best classes uh, ever on the defensive line, Justin Scott. They end up flipping Armando Blunt. Those are two five-star guys. Uh, and and really, I mean, they've got quality. I mean, Marquise Lightfoot, Artavius Jones, Booker Pickett, Elias Rudolph, Kendall Jackson, who they, who was a former Gators commit. All those guys are four-star, highly uh, recruited, highly uh, mentioned. The one I watched play a little bit um, last week was Dalen Russell from Miami Columbus. He played in the state championship game. And he's a little undersized, uh, probably going to have to play inside. But the kind of guy that I think, you get him to play 15 to 20 snaps. He gets a few sacks for you coming off the bench because he's kind of that little energizer bunny uh, and, and and you know, plays with a high motor. And, and you know, he's productive in his career. So I, I think this is a pretty good group. Cole McConathy is another guy from Alabama who had a bunch of sacks. He's another defensive lineman in this class. I, I like Miami's recruiting on the defensive line. Are you worried at all, though, about D-tackle? Yes, uh, like I was last season. I think they still need to add some more size. I think you get one or two guys in the portal yeah. uh, to at least transition to, to Justin Scott and these other guys are ready to be defensive tackles full-time and build their bodies. That that would be a big help because you saw, you know, on occasion, although the defense played really well and they were really good against the run, there were some times in those third quarters where teams were just wearing them down and beating them down up and down the field with a run game. C.J. Clark, the NC State, uh, he started 23 games at NC State. He's 6'3", 305. He was here this past weekend. My reports were telling me that he it, things went really well. Um, you know, he's a veteran guy, big body. Uh, I think uh, Middle Tennessee State's Marley Cook, uh, Mar sorry, Marley Clark, who's 6'2", 291, is another guy that Miami has looked at. I don't know if he's settled on a school yet already. I know Miami was like in his top three or whatever, but I think all these guys are visiting, checking out campuses, and I was pretty much assured that Miami's going to probably end up taking two veterans uh, at D-tackle uh, in the portal. Um, again, linebacker Francis Mawinoa is back. That's the big headline. That's the big news. He announced that over the weekend. Uh, you got Wesley Besaint, uh, you got KJ Cloyd, Chase Smith, and then the freshmen, all the freshmen that were here. Miami has two incoming freshmen, Cameron Pruitt and Vincent Shavers. Uh, Shavers is a local kid from Miami Central, Monsignor Pace, and, and a tough kid. He played on uh, that DEFCON 7-on-7 uh, team. I watched him in person, hell of an athlete, uh, very competitive. He's uh, you know played some with Zaquan Patterson who's coming in to play safety. So I, I, I like what they got at linebacker. But the, the Kiko Maui Noah news was huge, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. He was uh, a huge addition for the Hurricanes, really solidified that middle linebacker spot. You hadn't seen somebody play that well and that consistently, consistently a middle linebacker since Pinkney um, and Shaq Quarterman. So you've got a guy now there that anchors that that, that linebacker spot. I really liked what I saw from KJ Cloyd. Uh, you you know, Besaint was uh, showed flashes as well. Hopefully, those three guys are are enough to to get them through the season. No serious injuries to them. The guys behind them are young and inexperienced. Now that you've lost Corey Flag, but I think those three guys can get the job done, especially with uh, Francisco. Uh, leading the charge there. He was really good against the run, and he was really good against the pass, which was surprising to me. I didn't know he was that good in coverage. Cornerback's the one area where I'm kind of like, well, I hope these young guys work out, Carlos, because uh, they lost some veterans uh, to graduation and, and just eligibility. Devontae Brown, Daryl Porter Jr., Damari Brown, uh, your most experienced. You have Jadias Richard, uh, Jaden Harris, who are at safety. Uh, Jaden Harris could play some safety. I, I know for sure Miami is going to get at least – one safety in the portal. The the name to know is uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Savion Riley, who, of course, played with uh, Jadis Richard at Vanderbilt previously. So uh, Miami hoping to get him. I think he's supposed to be visiting campus this week. They're also pushing for Ellis Robinson, the five-star cornerback who's been committed to Georgia. I don't know that they're going to be able to pull that one off, but they're trying. Saquon Patterson, though, I think will be a starter for Miami as a true freshman at safety. Um, is that a position safety where you're worried at all? Or do you think a freshman as talented as him can come in and kind of do what Cam Kitchens and, J and James Williams basically did as freshmen? Yeah, I think if there's they've got the physical build and the, the ability, they can play right away. I think the the thing with safety is they they have to be smart as well. They have to understand the game. They have to be able to read yeah. uh, what the offensive doing is doing in terms of their route schemes and their formations, and not get fooled. So if he's sharp enough to be back there as a freshman, then hey, more power to him, man. Cam Kitchens did. He looked really good since uh, since he was a freshman since he got here. So hopefully he could do that. But I, I would like another veteran guy next to him. A guy that really has a lot of football experience, that's seen a lot at the college football level, had a high level to light up next to him just to balance things out. Because, yes, you know, he could be a sharp guy. He could be smart. He can really adapt well. But you're going to make mistakes as a freshman because there's things you've never seen before at the high school level. You're going to see for the first time in college and the speed of the game and all that kind of stuff. So you need a veteran next to him to help out. Carlos, I wanted to get your thoughts on Manny Diaz getting the Duke job um, because it kind of happened last week when I was uh, up in Tallahassee. We didn't get that on the show. And uh, I'm happy for Manny. I think, you know, I think he learned some valuable lessons, right, coaching at Miami uh, in terms of recruiting. Duke seems like the perfect spot because the expectations aren't high. It's a basketball school. I know Mike Elko had some success there. Uh, but ultimately – Duke is on the schedule next year. They're supposed to visit Hard Rock Stadium. I will say this, their roster, and we were going to break down some of these ACC ro uh, ACC rosters uh, in terms of other guys who have left via the portal, et cetera. Uh, Duke lost Riley Leonard, their quarterback. They lost their leading uh, rusher, Jordan Waters. Uh, they lost two starters on defense, uh, actually three starters on defense. R.J. Oman, who's going to Notre Dame, an edge rusher, uh, a linebacker, Dorian Mousey, who's a starter. Uh, and Jalen Stinson, those are all guys they lost to the portal on top of whatever they lost to graduation. So this isn't going to be a Duke team coming in here rolling. But creates an interesting storyline for Mario Cristobal, does it not? Yeah, it does. And, you know, going back to a couple of things you said, first of all, the fact that you are saying that you're happy for Manny Diaz now, again, you're a Duke fan now, and you're, you're not just a Florida State fan. Right. You're a Duke fan, and you're a Manny Diaz stan. You just follow him up. Everywhere you stalk him, you love Manny Diaz yeah. because you share the same first name. You guys, you guys are both Cuban. Stick with uh, Manny. Yeah, 
you you know, that's it. You you want him to be more successful than Mario. That's going to be the the comment section in YouTube. I'm calling it right now. Okay. Uh, second of all, the low expectations is very correct. I think that him coming in with low expectations helps a lot. That's actually how I landed my wife. Our first date, she had very low expectations, and uh, I was somewhat mediocre, and that was more than she anticipated. And here I am today, 18 years later. Bang, baby. Too late now. Um, so, yeah, I think Manny – I think I'm happy for Manny also. You know, professionally, I think, uh, you know, it was tough the way he lost that, the job here in Miami. You know, we all wanted Mario. Yes, I get it. We're happy with Mario here. The prodigal son has returned. But at the same time, we could all admit that the way Manny was dealt with uh, at the end there was a little bit shady and a little bit shitty. Um, you know, him just sitting around waiting for Mario to accept the contract to know whether or not he was going to be brought back for another season was kind of a, a shitty situation to be in. But, hey, luckily he bounced back, did a really good job at Penn State, got himself another opportunity here at Duke. Hopefully he does well. You know, like you said, it's a good situation for him. I think he has the opportunity to turn that roster around and turn it into something that uh, that fits him well if he hits the portal hard. You know, I, I, float, I floated out the idea that maybe he would go after TVD in the portal and maybe TVD ended up there and uh, that he would recruit a lot of the other guys that were uh, that hit the portal for, portal for the Hurricanes and bring those guys over and really immediately impact the roster there at Duke. Um, a lot of people didn't like that. Um, but, you know, that's what I would do if I'm him. I'd go right after go right after Don Chaney, you know, go right after Corey Flagg, go right after, you know, all these guys that he recruited and played for him. Uh, and, and they're going to be an impact immediately at Duke. All right. I, I'm not going to hit every ACC roster. We have a long time to sort of talk about the transfer portal. But Louisville is a team Miami just played. They just played in the ACC championship game. They're losing some guys to graduation, right? Um, and people are like, oh, what, what's going on with Louisville, right? Like, what's uh, what's happening to their roster? Did they lose guys in the portal? I'm going to say this because Miami's going to have a tough road game at Louisville next year. Um, they're working the portal pretty well, and they're going to Harvard and Yale and getting guys with lots of playing experience, big bodies. They got an offensive tackle from Yale. They got a defensive lineman. You're going to love this, Carlos, named Thor Griffith. I swear yes. to God, his name is Thor. Thor. And uh, he actually made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, they also picked up Tyler Shaw, uh, the quarterback who started for Mario at Oregon. So, yeah, they're going after guys from Harvard and Yale. Apparently, Louisville wants to start a hedge fund or something, or they just want guys <laughs> to be able to calculate the odds correctly right. for the Kentucky Derby. Um, but, again, I saw Gabby tweet out about Thor when he hit the portal and that he was going to visit Miami. And I'm like, man, they got to get this guy. If that's his actual name and not just a nickname, his parents set that kid up for success. Can you imagine having to live up to that name your whole life, <laughs> Thor? Like, if they, awesome. named me, if they named you Loki, it'd be a lot easier, right? You yes. just got to be an asshole and just mess around all the time. But yeah. Thor, you got to do some serious stuff. You got to get in the gym. You can't be completely out of shape. You got to be a strong dude. You got to be tough. That's hard, man. That's 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 really tough. But props to him. He's he's apparently done well for himself. Go Thor. One other team I wanted to talk about from the ACC, and again, the more shows we do here in the offseason, we'll talk about what other people in the ACC are doing. But NC State, you talk about you know Matt Lee leaving and what a pickup he was for Miami. Miami doesn't have NC State on the on the uh, schedule next year. Thankfully, uh, you don't want to play Dave Doran. He he's going to win eight or nine games every year, and he's going to have a really good defense, and you're going to be battling for your life. But NC State uh, goes into the transfer portal, and they've lost quite a few guys, okay? They've lost 18 guys to the portal. Um, the only ones that are really major contributors, there's three of them. Jordan Houston, a running back, uh, he's gone. Um, you have C.J. Clark, who Miami couldn't end up taking from them, and then Jakeem Harris, a safety with 22 starts to his career. Everybody else, just sort of guys. 
Uh, so when people throw those numbers out there and you're like, oh, man, NC State, they're getting devastated by the portal. Say, no, nah, Manny told me they really only lost three dudes. Um, and they brought in two really good players. Uh, one of them is Grayson McCall, who's been the starting quarterback at Coastal Carolina. Remember how how uh, NC State lost their QB, MJ Morris, to the portal? He's coming in. Uh, Grayson McCall, I think, is a three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, 40 career starts, over 2,400 snaps. So for everybody who's like, man, what's going to happen to NC State? They don't have a quarterback. Grayson McCall is a good fill-in. And then Zeke Correll, a center from Notre Dame. They picked up a center from Notre Dame with 31 starts to come in. So uh, you talk about upgrading your roster, upgrading your offense. Kudos to Dave Doran because uh, their offense didn't look very good, and they got two of the best pickups on offense. And, and, you know, ironically, a year ago when we were sitting here talking about portal pickups, I was praising Dave Doran because he picked up Brennan Armstrong, and I thought that would be a great pickup for him, and that just didn't materialize into something. That was positive for them. And and again, they got Brendan Armstrong because of his ability to run the football uh, along with throw it. And that's one of the reasons why you like Grayson McCall, because he was in an offense that ran essentially a spread split back veer kind of offense uh, where they ran spread concepts, but they ran some triple option. They ran all kinds of stuff uh, at, at uh, Coastal Carolina. That was weird. That was off the wall. And he was uh, sort of the conductor for that. Uh, he's coming off an injury, so we don't know if his running ability is going to be the same as it was when he was early in his career at Coastal Carolina. But the kid's tough. He's made a lot of plays, and you know, hopefully, with with that, it won't. Not, they're not playing the Hurricanes, so hopefully, he could bounces back from that injury and plays really well for them. All right, Carlos, we're going to get to the mailbag now. Uh, I know uh, we want to put this video out soon, wrap up, get to dinner, other things you and I got to do here. Uh, but I'm going to get to some of the fun ones here. Um, this is from Stephen Thunder, 56 Blacksican says, was Ledo with Rick Ross and his crew at Prime 112? My response was no, but Raul was. And uh, Stephen Thunder said, heard Rick Ross had to kick Raul out of his posse because he tried to smuggle in Cuban cigars. And then, of course, you responded to this chain. What did you say? I said it wasn't the cigars that got him in trouble. It was where he was trying to smuggle them. Okay. That clarifies things. We appreciate you, 56 uh, Blacks, again, for, for sending in your question. Uh, this is from Rusty Sedaris. Why is it taking so long? I think he means the quarterback commitment. Uh, how worried? <laughs> is Rusty onto something here? Why is it taking so long? I mean, come on, man. We're baking a cake here. Let's not. We can't take it out of the oven too early. It's got to yeah. happen. Just let it go. Just let it happen. This is from Matt Reed, Matt Reed News on Twitter. In your opinion, is the timeline for the Canes leaving the ACC now sped up with FSU getting uh, hosed by the College Football Playoff Committee? Also, any updated thoughts about which conference Miami will ultimately end up in? I think if Miami leaves, they end up in the Big Ten. And I think, again, uh, it's not going to happen until 2028, 2029, when the Big Ten is looking for teams to add and and increase its size. Um, I think it's an academic fit. Um, And I think the realistic timeline for FSU, I mean, I don't know that they have a play. FSU doesn't. I mean, I don't know if the SEC wants them. I don't know if the Big Ten wants them, but we'll find out. if FSU leaves, yes, it could speed up the clock for Miami. But again, uh, that that TV contract, till some lawyers are, get really smart and figure it out, I don't I don't see a way out right now. Well, you can figure it out. It's just going to take uh, over a hundred million dollars to do it. Jeff Patterson, ninety nine. Why do you think Colby Young left, and what do you think his move says about the team, or at least his perception of the team and its future? Uh, Jeff, I think this was a very NIL-related decision. I think Miami has money invested in some other players. I think Georgia probably came at him with a strong offer. I think he is an NFL-type receiver who 
uh, in the right offense could thrive. I think here at Miami, he was underutilized. I know people have criticized some of his route running. Carlos, what do you say about Colby Young? Uh, yeah, I mean, his route running wasn't all that clean, but I think every time he touched the ball, he made plays. He's strong with the football, so when he catches it, he's tough to bring down. He's great making uh, 50-50 catches, so guys coming back to the ball and back shoulder throws, going up and getting it in the air, things of that nature. He's really good with that. He's got really good ball skills. The other stuff you can work on, he can develop. Yes, he can become a better route runner. It's more difficult to be strong with the football. It's more difficult to be a good 50-50 ball guy and really go up and snatch it and catch balls on back shoulder throws in tight windows with defenders in your face. So all that other stuff can be learned. He could be a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage coming off press coverage. But again, uh, I think overall he's a really good receiver that still has a high ceiling that really hasn't been exploited yet. This is from JP PB Kane on Twitter. Manny, have we broken ground on the new football facility? It seems like that's all I heard about for the first year or so after Mario was hired. I thought I read somewhere it's all been approved and paid for. Our plans still to move forward with the facility. Thanks. I said this on another podcast recently here that uh, it's not the construction is not going to begin until 2024. There's a lot of projects on the University of Miami campus right now. That's why they said this will be three or four years before the new football football facility is built. There's some zoning stuff that has to be taken care of. Um, and look, let's face it, Miami's got to pay some NIL bills. They want to be competitive. They want to have a team that wins. Yeah. Uh, you got to spend money on players, and I think that's the priority right now. Yeah, put the shovel away for now. We gotta, we got to get some dudes here first. <laughs> this is from uh, King underscore Reezy. Last time I asked about Joe and staff changes because his lack of recruiting prowess. Then he landed Justin Scott. Can we anticipate any staff changes? Again, Mario likes to change his staff in the in in like January, February, right? Like, uh, do we forget here in these first two years that? Any changes to the staff are usually after signing day, like after mm -hmm. uh, the classes are sort of solidified. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you're right. He doesn't want to dis disrupt the uh, the recruiting process and the job these guys have done, the relationships they built with the recruits. Mm -hmm. Also, my man that uh, sent this question, and you missed a golden opportunity here. You said that last time you criticized uh, Joe Salavea and he landed Justin Scott. You This was your opportunity to criticize him again or criticize someone else to land the player you wanted. So this time... You know, you should have criticized Kevin Beard. Maybe, maybe we get Jeremiah Smith, but you failed. Thank you. Now it's your fault that we don't land Jeremiah Smith. Congratulations. This is from uh, Joe Manzo on Twitter. Why was there no interest in McCall? Um, I don't know. You mentioned the injury. Um, maybe because he played in the Sun Belt. I mean, both of these quarterbacks that Miami's in on. I think it was a system issue. Yeah. He, what did they run at Coastal Carolina? They ran a lot of funky stuff, man. They ran uh basically a spread triple option is what they were running. They were they run okay. a lot of motion, a lot of different things where they're uh, leaving guys unblocked, reading defensive tackles and ends on running schemes and pass plays. The quarterback has a lot to do with that stuff. It's not a lot of route reading. The RPOs are one one uh, read throws. So it, it's it's not exactly – it doesn't lend itself well to what we do here at Miami or what they've done here in the system. It's better suited for more – you know, up temple. I would say he would have been a great fit, like in a system like Tennessee. Yeah, I think. This is from Sam Knowlton. Uh, what happens if the next few years are subpar, eight or less wins, with some embarrassing moments? Will the administration be patient for that long? I'm happy to give Mario three mediocre years, but not everyone is. Uh, I think five is the cutoff. I think if Mario gets halfway through his contract, and Miami is stuck at eight wins or less, uh, then I think you could see some repercussions financially 
uh, less backing. Yeah, then I could see that shovel being put away permanently, and uh, that facility <laughs> that will be able to pay Mario's buyout. <laughs> what way to put it? Uh, this is Alex Bryant. Uh, saw Pan Pancake Honcho's brother is in the portal. So that's Samuel. Um, God, what's uh? And Lola. Oken Lola, yes, thank you for reminding me. Five sacks at Pitt last season. I can't say Ungali but I can but you say, can say Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, por because portables. It's we got to bring back portables here. I'm gonna mess. I'm gonna say portables again soon. Uh, Pancake Conscious brother in the portal. Uh, top twenty-five in the two-four-seven rankings at a position of need, defensive line. I know there's a great class coming in there, but would Samuel O be on the radar for Mario? I'm sure there was probably a discussion. Uh, knowing his brother, I'm sure Florida State is thinking, man, we can take his brother because that's where he's visiting. Uh, we can take uh, Pancake Concho's brother and then lure Pancake Concho to Tallahassee, maybe by giving him a, a bunch of pancakes. I don't know. Um, but uh, that's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the with the uh, Pancake Concho family here in the next uh, year or two. Yeah, they're going to lure him over by saying you could be the king of flapjacks in Tallahassee. This <laughs> is what we offer you. We can't offer you money. But we could offer you the chance to be the king of flapjacks. Are you with us, son? Uh, this is from Brandon Coach Cotton. Uh, it's unlikely there will be seven scholarship running backs on the roster come fall 2024. He's, he's citing my, my story. How does that get resolved, especially if they flip a certain someone? He's talking about Jordan Lyle. It gets resolved by somebody getting tapped on the shoulder and told, hey, guess what? We're all full, buddy. Hey. See you later. Listen, you don't have to go home, but you got to get your shit and get the hell out of here. <laughs> this is from uh, Vacano or VE uh, VE Economics. Um, he oh. says, "What what should happen of SMU and Duke win more ACC games than Miami next season? What should happen? I don't what know. Should what, happen should... Is we, what should happen is we unleash Raul directly <laughs> upon Mario. We give Raul <laughs> Mario's address. Right. Mario Raul shows up in the middle of the night. First, he steals all of Mario's mangoes." Because I'm sure Mario's got a mango tree wherever he's living right now. <laughs> then he creeps into his window, makes sandwiches inside of his house, leaves everything a mess, and then slaps Mario in the face with an old Cuban bread. <laughs> Day old Cuban bread. You know how hard that is? <laughs> That's one way to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking to Rhett Lashley on Monday, by the way. This is so cool. I can text Rhett. Rhett, come on my uh, Stars Matter show uh, to talk recruiting. We're going to record it Monday. It's going to air Wednesday. No problem. Within two seconds, he's uh, he's down. Let me ask you this question. And you didn't if have to wear like a Tulane hat or anything like that. Huh? You didn't have to wear like a Tulane hat to piss him off. No, I I don't I don't need to do that for him. But what what if like what if Rhett comes into the ACC next year with SMU and within two years wins the league? Are we gonna have buyer's remorse? Are we gonna be saying it was Rhett all along? <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, Manny, I don't give a damn. <laughs> For those of you that don't get that reference, you need to watch more uh, classic films. Anyway, listen, dude, it's that would be the, the that would be the most Miami thing that could happen to this program is that Rhett Lashley and Manny Diaz face each other in the ACC championship game and they get there before Mario. That is the type of curse that's been on this program for the last 20 years. By the way, SMU, they've picked up two guys because now I have to follow Cal. Stanford and SMU, by the way, in their in their offseason moves. So now I have 17 teams to break down every offseason. Um, they've picked up two former four-star kids, one of them a defensive lineman who played at Georgia and another one who played receiver for Oregon. So uh, SMU's uh, doing pretty well in the portal, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I, I would say uh, it may not take too long for them to be pretty good. Um, all right. 
after QB, do you feel center is our biggest need with Matt Lee departing? This is from Jeff on Twitter. On the offensive side of the ball, yes. Uh, defensively, I'd like to see another safety. I think D-tackle is the biggest one. I'm going to keep saying D-tackle until that gets completely resolved. And safety, I, I would say quarterback, D-tackle, safety, and then center. Because I think here's, they could, here, I think they could get away safety. with it. Here's why I say safety. D-tackle, it would be great to have the bigger dudes up front. That'll really solidify your defensive line. But you saw this year you can get away with it a little bit. If you you mix your 3-3-5 with a 4-2-5, you stunt, you mix, you move. You can get away with those things in the athleticism, being a little bit undersized. The issue with the secondary is if you don't have good safety plays, your corners are going to look worse than they are. If your safety play is good, your corners are going to be a lot better than they really are. So when you have good safety play, it makes everything on that back end look a lot better. And if you have crappy safety play, those corners that, are, that, that aren't that great are going to look very bad coming into yeah. this. This is from David Hernandez on Twitter. Two questions. Which hometown South Florida guys that are in the portal would you like for Miami to be interested in? And two, how much cafecito are you drinking during this busy month of recruiting? Thanks for asking, David. I have usually uh, morning coffee, and then if I really need it at night, I will go to Starbucks and get the expensive American version of the good Cuban stuff uh, just because I need to get out of the house. Because not uh, only is Manny a Florida State fan, he's what you call un cubano arrepentido, which means that he's he, he shunned his Cuban heritage, uh, much like Manny Diaz has by not being speaking Spanish, and uh, <laughs> refuses to drink Cuban coffee, only drinks expensive $5 espressos from Starbucks. I do drink it in the morning. When my mother-in-law is here and she makes his Cuban coffee, my wife actually, Joanna made uh cuban coffee today and it wasn't bad i was shocked she doesn't do it very often it's usually her mom so uh it was a great bad. compliment to your wife and if she listens to this episode which i know she would but uh that's not gonna go wrong no uh as far as which hometown south florida guys that are in the portal would i like for miami to be interested in well first of all i'd love for them to go get uh daryl porter uh jr's brother who uh just entered the portal i think a couple of days ago uh played at american heritage high school he's a, a top 100 uh recruit i'm trying to pull up the window now so i, I can marvin have jones his... jr marvin jones jr correct i was trying to remember also if... the son of marvin jones who played yes at yes correct and i think he's visiting florida state by the way uh which no brainer goes goes to show you uh oh wow this is an interesting name to pop into the transfer portal malik murphy from texas just popped in right now as i'm looking that was anticipated the, yeah as the uh as the names um Maybe a quarterback for Miami to look into. Um, I, I, you know, I, I haven't gone there and broken down every hometown kid because, frankly, a lot of them. Um, you know, so I, I, once I come through the list, I will, I will try my best to figure it out, um, and give you a better answer. But I know Marvin Jones Jr. is one that I think is a, a for real, for real kid. If that yep. helps. Um, I didn't say that out loud, by the way. Uh, and he's he, he's one of those for real for real kids because he comes from you know seminal lineage, right. uh, so you really love that. Uh, this is from Big Chilean sixty three on Twitter, better known as Tony Perez. Uh, does Ohio State's quarterback entering the transfer portal help Miami's chances to land Jeremiah Smith? No, because Jeremiah was looking forward to go play with Aaron Nolan. So uh, Aaron Nolan's the five star quarterback Miami didn't beat Ohio State for that Miami wanted. So yeah. Uh, this is from Cuddy Bag, Andrew Patrick. Does medical staff play a role in a recruit's decision? The entire team of physicians, surgeons, and trainers. Thanks. Go Canes. Glad you asked this question, uh, Carlos, because I have an interesting answer. Nigel Lee Kelly. I asked the question? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you asked it. Yes, it was Andrew Patrick Cuddy back. Um, the the reason I bring this up, Nigel e. Kelly, two years ago when he was getting recruited, loved Oregon because of their medical facilities. Uh, Nigel e. Kelly had bad hip injury when he was growing up as a kid, uh, running track with his mom. And so he was going to go to Oregon specifically for this hip treatment that they were going to be able to provide him. Obviously, when Mario Cristobal came to Miami, things changed. He wanted to come play for Mario. But obviously, Miami's facilities, Jackson Memorial, and some of the stuff that you have on campus at the University of Miami is top-notch. And I think it certainly plays a role. And I think Miami has an advantage with some of the facilities that they have here. It's not Oregon expensive. It's not Nike money good. But it's really, really good. And I think part of the reason Nigel Kelly decided to come to Miami and and not uh, go – go to Oregon was because of that, because the facilities were still good enough and he could get some of the treatment that he needed. Listen, and Nigel Leak understands that even though the facilities may not be as expensive and beautiful and the treatments might not be so, so uh, exotic as they are in Oregon, as they are here in Miami, he knows he can get things fixed here very well, quite cheaply as with some Cuban ingenuity or some, some South Florida ingenuity. Just put a little duct tape, some caulking in it. That hip will work just fine. Throw some WD-40. We're good to go. This is from Asher Wildman, our uh, longtime uh, follower here from Spectrum News. With the portal and high school kids, do you get the sense that Alonzo Highsmith is the pseudo-GM? What is he doing in his role? And is it being a GM negotiator, talent evaluating like an NFL GM? My understanding, and again, I haven't asked Alonzo for his description. I'm getting this secondhand. My understanding is that Alonzo spends the majority of his time looking at transfer portal film and potential transfer portal targets, okay? Looking for guys that they could bring in that are older, college-ready players because that's basically what he did for the NFL. Will he look at high school recruits? Yes. Will he? Is he going to be asked about it? No, because I think Mario, for the most part, handles that side of things yeah. uh, with his guys. So um, he is not a pseudo-GM. Uh, and I think that adds, that's where about. he adds a lot of value because, like you are right. saying, he's used to seeing that kind of tape and seeing which guys translate, which bodies, styles, uh, abilities translate to the NFL. So if he sees a potential NFL guy and he has uh, Mario target him and bring him in, more than likely that's going to improve the roster. All right. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name. Um, he's, he's got a bunch of emojis. Uh, and, and I'm just the question is what's important here. Is it more important to get the top QB in the portal late or get a top three quarterback target ASAP? What are the pros and cons of both? Well, it's real simple. You get that quarterback now, and you can go to recruits like Jeremiah Smith, get him on the phone and say, hey, this is going to be your quarterback. Uh, you can, you, it can help you recruit guys. Like Dylan Rayola is going to flip from Georgia to Nebraska. At least that's the expectation. Um, but he may not announce it until the last minute, right? The earlier your your big-time quarterback, and Dylan Rayola is a five-star kid, okay? He's the number two quarterback yeah. in the class. If that the earlier that kid flips, the better it is for you because it helps you recruiting wise. That is the obvious pro. Uh, the con of waiting uh, is that you could you know lose recruits and lose the quarterback. Right, the longer you wait in this process uh, to get a Cam Ward or to take a Will Howard, the more likely you can get beat by somebody else for him, and there's no options to turn to. And I think you it, the sooner you can get somebody in the boat, the better. But I think you also need to go over quality is better than than speed right in terms of mm -hmm. getting the right guy if if you've got a will howard or a cam ward decision and it's going to come down to the wire and you may lose them both um but you may land the guy you really want in cam ward i would wait 
I don't think you take Will Howard while Cam Ward is still on the board. Uh, this is Cranky Kane, Glitchy Morpheus. Manny, you are a double agent with knowledge. Does Florida sure. State take a step back next year with all those losses at key positions? And who would you put at the top three in the ACC expectations-wise? Good question, Cranky Kane, because I get to talk about my Seminoles. Um, I think Florida State, if they're able to get Cam Ward, right, and beat Miami out for the better quarterback. Oh, uh, you know what's happening now? The, the comment section is a buzz right now with people saying you're wishing Cam Ward goes to Florida State. You want him at Florida State <laughs> because that'll help the, the Seminoles and your team get back to prominence again next year. If 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 it happens, again, a big if, right? Uh, I think Florida State's NIL probably not as strong as Miami and a couple of other schools. But in the event that it happens, like Cam Ward says, I need to take my talents to Tallahassee. I've never heard anybody say that, by the way. But let's say they do. That could I, I have. I have, unfortunately. And usually those people are missing teeth. <laughs> Assuming he goes to Tallahassee, right? And maybe that helps sway Jeremiah Smith. Maybe it helps sway some other guys in the portal who say, you know what? FSC's 13 and 0. Uh, their coach has proven it. Miami's coach hasn't. I'm going to go play for him at, at, at FSU. I'm just That's saying, fire. like, so if that were to happen, then you would have to consider FSU as a top three team. If that doesn't happen, if they if their quarterback upgrade is not as good as Miami, then I think they can take a step back. And I think Miami is in a very good position to be a top three team. I think Clemson is probably the number one team on paper with some of the guys that they're bringing back. Although I will say, Carlos, as I bring up my trusty uh, ACC portal glance uh, to educate our listeners who pay no attention to anybody but Miami, Clemson has lost seven players to the portal. Bo Collins, uh, receiver with 27 starts, went to Notre Dame. The big loss is Andrew Makuba, the safety with 31 starts, uh, in his career. They also, I think, lost uh, a cornerback uh, who's going pro. They have another one that only had three starts. That's going to Missouri. So some guys on that defense have departed. Um, and and so, and they don't have anybody. You know, Dabo doesn't use the portal very often, but they don't have anybody yet among the additions. But I would still say Clemson, on paper to me, should be an improved team next year. Uh, and I would say Louisville, uh, depending on how ty- if Tyler Shaw can uh, show can stay uh, healthy, uh, I would still say that they're, they're going to be a well-coached team. They're going to be a disciplined team. NC State will be a good team. Uh, I-, I would say Miami's on the precipice fighting to get into that top three with those teams that I just mentioned. And SMU's coming in. So SMU, you know, they're coming off a, a 10-11 win season. Uh, they'll be good. I think Rhett Lashley's a good coach. That'd be my top five. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, I think it all depends on where the quarterback chips fall within this uh, chase here in the ACC. I think uh, if Florida State gets Uyunglele and Miami gets Cam Ward, I think you're going to be set up for Miami and Florida State possibly to battle each other for the ACC title. But again, like you said, you know Louisville's well coached. They they've got a solid guy at quarterback, a five star former five star, but he's got to stay healthy. They've still got to plug a bunch of holes. Yeah. SMU is a wild card. They're coming in here first year. Can they adapt to the ACC? Um, do they have enough to compete at the ACC level? I think they do. I don't know if they're they're good enough to make the championship game, but they'll definitely be uh, a top four, top five team in the ACC. This is from Chris Walker, C Dub thirty three. What are your thoughts on possibly landing portal transfer Zach Carpenter? Especially, uh, did I mention this one already? It's somebody you did, you else. Zach Carpenter. 
Somebody else asked about it. We're just gonna go ahead. I don't I don't know what the odds are, um, Chris. Uh Marcus Williams, Money Kane says, going into next season and not considering quarterback, which position group gives you the most concern? Which position group do you think will make the biggest leap? Good question, Marcus. Good off-season question. Um gives me the most concern going into next year. I would say the secondary, because you're losing a lot of veteran guys. That yes. I think is the one that has the most concern. Um, I'm confident Miami will land the quarterback. I'm not necessarily as confident they're going to have game-changing corners and safeties. Um, those guys have to develop from within, so you, uh, that naturally makes me nervous. And then which one do I think makes the biggest leap? It's a good question. I think tight end, because you can only go up from as far down as you were this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Whoever the tight end is is going to have probably more than 12 catches. Correct. Um all right, let's go to Michael Bonasar M. Bones, 12. Assuming the current commitments are the class we end up with, who are the three most likely freshman All-Americans next season? I like that question. That's a good one. Uh, I think Zaquan Patterson for sure. I think he plays a ton uh, for Miami in this uh, on this defense. Uh, he probably plays the most snaps. Uh, let me look at the rest of the class. Uh, usually, And I just did the freshman All-American team and the five-star thing. A lot of offensive linemen play, but Miami – I mean, Markel Bell would come in as a Juco guy. I don't know. Um, it's a good question, man. Um, I would say the defensive linemen probably have the best shot at it. Uh, maybe maybe a guy like Justin Scott, if he's in the yep. rotation uh, and, and kind of plays – you know, five, start six or seven games, maybe Nye Carr as a slot receiver, right, especially if Xavier Restrepo departs. Uh, Nikar's the guy I think they Maybe can Jojo go. Trader on the outside if he wins a starting job. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I don't think running back, I don't think, you know, I think there's going to probably be very few freshmen um, that have starring type roles like Francis Maui Noah and Ruben Bain. I think Zaquan Patterson's your best bet. So. Yeah, I think that's uh, because they're adding so much talent to the roster year over year now. I think those those spots for freshmen are going to be few and far between moving yeah. forward. Um, all right, we're getting towards the end here because there's a, a ton of questions, Carlos. So I'm going to try to uh, – this is an interesting one for you as a lawyer. Uh, this is from 508 Kane fan, Al Gauthier. How long can this current portal free agency model be sustained? NIL is only going to be higher next season. What's your thought from a financial smart guy perspective? Um. Wow. From that perspective, I think you're looking for the wrong answer from the wrong dude. Um. I think – it's going to be at some point unsustainable. I think the, there's no return on investment, right? Not only that, but you're you're basically you're you're making this all about the the rich getting richer, and those bottom tier programs, those mid tier pro programs that don't have the NIL support or don't have the money or the cachet to lure some of these guys, they're losing out and aren't able to compete at the same level. Now they're obviously they they have a difficult job recruiting as it is, but it yeah. makes it more difficult when you are now totally. Uh, outgunned in this arms race that is NIL because of the amount of dollars that other schools are able to put in that you're not able to put in. Um, on top of that, I think it's going to be, you're going to have a lot more mutinies on hand. If you keep paying freshmen millions of dollars to sign with you, and then there's guys on the roster that are proven that have produced for you and not getting paid the same, not getting paid close to it, or maybe not even get, getting paid at all, that's right. going to create division in the locker room. 
And that's going to be a problem that a lot of programs are going to have to face. Um, there, there's going to have to be some sort of regulation that comes into place, some sort of a salary cap that gets established, some sort of a conference rule. If it's not going to be handled by the ACC, uh, I mean, by the NCAA, the conference itself or the conferences need to get together and come to some sort of agreement as to how these dollars should be doled out, what the maximum amount is. Um, the problem is that, you know, if, if they're contractors, they could be paid whatever. And putting a restriction on their ability to earn income can be seen as a violation of their constitutional rights. So you've opened the can of worms here with NIL that's hard to put back in to sort of reorganize and try and, and, and make things neater. It's only going to get more messy. And until it gets super messy and gets really out of hand, I don't think it's going to get uh, under control. You know, eventually you're going to have situations where high school players are getting NIL deals in high school. And, and uh, that could be even more dangerous. So... You know, the last thing you want is young kids that, that aren't capable of making smart decisions that don't have the right structure around them and support system making a ton of money and making bad decisions with that money. So I think for the betterment of these kids, and I think Miami had a lot of them in place with Ruiz, was is that these kids also on top of the money should be receiving, you know, some sort of life skills training, training on what to do with this money, how to invest it, how to make it grow, how to keep yeah. it. Um, just in case they get injured and things happen in their lives. Or just overall, these are skills you should be learning in life anyway. But yeah, something has to happen from a regulation standpoint. Now, whether it's going to come from the NCAA, the conferences themselves, or maybe even Congress steps in and say, listen, this is getting out of control. We need to step in and do something about this. I don't know. At some point, something has to happen. Appreciate the answer there, Carlos. Uh, David Sims uh, asked this question on Twitter. He says, uh, what's the story with you and Kelvin Harris? Uh, you used to have him on the pod, and now all we get is the back and forth shots on Twitter. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of that song, that Dr. Dre song that he did, uh, attacking Eze and Luke. Yeah, yeah. Now he's that that line comes to mind. It used to be my homie, used to be my ace. Now I want to slap the taste out your mouth. Kelvin today uh, asked me if I could get into the transfer portal and go to Green Bay, and I said I'll only do it if I can take him with me as, as a package deal. If, if the Packers are willing to take a 53-year-old washed-up center, then I'll take off with him. Kelvin and I uh, like to to have uh, WWE-style public spats, so that's uh, that's our way. You know, w when you talk to these old-school canes, this is how they greet each other. That's how they show love by dissing yeah. each other in public. That's uh, it's a very weird practice, but it is the way that uh, the the way that they operate. It's just the mentality of it. Carlos. It's a little verbal nut tap. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, this is an interesting question. This is from Trigger Trey. Who, in your and Carlos's opinion, has earned the right to wear number one next season? Both sides of the ball. I didn't know this was a thing. The the number ones like uh, only giving out to certain. <laughs> really I mean, offensively, I mean, maybe Mark Fletcher if he wants to wear one, but I wouldn't. I don't think he's going to want to. Uh, maybe Cam Ward if he if he comes on board. Defensively, I mean, who do you give it to? Uh, Ruben Bain, but I don't think he's going to wear want to wear number one. Um, right. I don't give it to anybody in the secondary right now. Yeah, I, I think it just depends. Uh, I think it should be one worn by – if it's going to have a special significance, it should be worn by somebody who is a leader, right? Somebody who you, – you know, I, I don't think uh, Francisco Mauinoa is going to wear one. I don't right. think Ruben Bain is going to wear one. Uh, I mean, Akeem Mesador wears three. Uh, it's probably a DB or a receiver or a quarterback. I think Cam Ward probably gets to wear one if he comes. That's pretty right. much it. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. 
All right. Uh, do we have any more here? Um, Yeah, I, I I think I'm gonna wrap this up. This is the last one from from Reed, Paul newbie fan. Is Miami leaving the ACC soon? Uh, I don't know, uh, Reed. I don't think so. I think they're gonna be there a while. This is from Jay Salter, JRS Air twenty three. If the Canes get a quality QB in the portal, do you see them making the twelve team playoff next season? Hashtag Raul for president. Raul twenty twenty four. His cats Weising and Yandela running as vice presidents. They probably have vice president and secretary of defense. Does Miami make the playoff next year with Cam Ward? That's tough, man. Uh, maybe. I think it depends on more than just Cam Ward. I don't think it's just a quarterback thing. I think you need to, like we said, replace Cam uh, Matt Lee. I think you need to upgrade the the safety position. You need to solidify that. You need to improve the corner position a little bit. You got to get a better defensive tackle, a bigger dude down here. There's still holes in the team that need to be filled, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions. I don't think it just falls on a guy like Cam Ward. We saw what they did with De'Ara King, right? De'Ara King was a supremely talented dude that came down here and did everything, and their best shot with him was, what, eight and three? Right. So, I mean, it's not just all the quarterback. There has to be other things in place. De'Ara King couldn't stop North Carolina from rushing for 1,057 yards in a game. So, right. I mean, you're going to have to do other things and not just rely on the quarterback. All right, Carlos, sell your products. Make sure you follow him at the MIA All Day Pod. Make sure oh, you I buy those there. T-shirts. Go I ahead. went to another dimension. Did you see that? I just did. Let's see that. That, that was the, oh man. Oh I've man. I got the Harry Potter invisibility cloak on. I don't know how I did this, but there you go. I'm back. Uh, yeah, the MIA All Day Podcast. Hit me up on Twitter if you want some hats, T-shirts. Uh, support Raul's Legal Defense Fund by buying Raul from Hialeah T-shirts. Uh, support your local college football team that I cannot use in advertising materials. Uh, by buying some of these shirts as they are colored nearly the same scheme as that that team, but not the same logo or images or likenesses of that team. Uh, so, yeah, hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter via DM, and I'll set you up with uh, some stuff. All right. Make sure you follow the MIA All Day Pod. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the Wide Right Podcast here if you don't already do so. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe to the YouTube page if you're watching us on YouTube. Miami's going to end up with a quarterback, right, Carlos? There's going to be somebody who signs here. They're going to have to end up with a quarterback. I mean, whether it's Cam Ward, whether it's uh, Will Howard, whether it's Raul himself. Um, you know, I, the one guy I will say, Jordan McLeod, to me, is very intriguing. And whoever ends up with that guy, I think might get the steal to transfer. All right, you heard it from Raul himself. Uh, I'm sorry, from Carlos himself. Uh, Raul, Listen, Ra did Raul pass that along to you? Let, let me let me set the record straight here, okay? Because many people are making this assumption, and <laughs> I, I do not like this blasphemy, and specifically, it mortifies my wife. I am not Raul from Hialeah. Okay, <laughs> Raul's a totally different person. I am Carlos. Yes, we 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 are similar in terms of uh, the way we speak and uh, our heritage, but we are not the same person. All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. There. Now that that's clear, uh, yes. make sure. Wait till you I tell. <laughs> wait till I tell Joanna what you just said. <laughs> You're gonna get some angry text messages. I, wanna, I, I am. She's she's never gonna forgive me for this. Um. Well, we'll have another show next week, probably right before signing day. Uh. We'll probably talk about uh, Armando Blunt and uh, Jeremiah Smith and. I think I'll probably uh, get uh, Frank Tucker to come back on and talk to me again right before signing day. There'll be plenty of signing day coverage. There'll be plenty of transfer portal coverage. But only, but only Frank Tucker because that's your hall pass. Everybody that's my hall pass. Right. We've established that. Um, thank you for tuning in to this week's Wide Right podcast. Carlos, thank you for coming on as always. We will see you next time. Peace.